Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this, but welcome back, everybody. <laughs> There's so much today. I am, uh, I am blessed to, to be with Brother Kyle Lyons again. Uh, Brother Lyons is a, a longtime friend now. Uh, we worked together in, in the area and region for, I don't know, going on 10 years probably, something like uh, that. Dude, it's just, it's just been, I'll say this, working with you has been literally one of the best parts <laughs> of this job. It felt like eternity. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. No, I just felt, yeah, time go, well, time flies when you're having fun. Well, I appreciate you're kind to say that. I am excited to have you with us today. Uh, for those that remember Brother Lyons, Brother Lyons has an, a very wonderful assignment with Seminary and Institute um, where he uh, gets to train those that are looking at becoming Seminary and Institute teachers uh, for a lot of the world. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty exciting. Do you want to speak about that real quick? Yeah, time? actually, I was just, I, I mean, just in preparation for this, just for the listeners, just so you know, I mean, I mean, we're just, we're sitting here and we're studying the scriptures together and testifying with each other. And we, we kind of pause at, at some point during that or at the beginning and, and just we're able to relish with each other about what an amazing opportunity we have to work for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's just, yeah. it's been such a blessing for us. And so if you love the Savior and you love the scriptures and you love the youth, I would just really, really recommend that you reach out to me and and come to one of my seminars or one of my workshops and just explore what a career in Seminary Institute would look like for you. Yeah, I love that. Brother Lyons, I, we probably don't do this very often, but maybe this is an appropriate place for you to give an email address yeah. for you. Yeah, it's pretty easy. So it's kylelyons at churchofjesuschrist.org. Okay. So, so kyle, K-Y-L-E-L-Y-O-N-S at churchofjesuschrist.org. Yeah. So Kyle Lyons is yeah, pretty easy. We, we have people all over the world that, that uh, probably could get connected to you and you could put them in the yeah. right place if it's not you. Yeah. But, and But yeah, you cover a lot. Absolutely. Tell me how much you cover. Well, first of all, to, what, to your point, contact me and I can get you hooked up with who you need to be hooked right, up yeah. with. But I cover Western Idaho and then I also cover anywhere that's outside of basically the 90-minute drive of like an in-person uh, training center. Anywhere. So East Coast, West Coast, the South. Yeah. Basically, if you're not in Utah, Arizona, or Idaho, I'm also the person that you would contact about yeah. a career in SNI. So. Yeah. And, it, and it's really a wonderful opportunity. And, and I would um, second what you've said and just say, for those of you that are out there, young adults or adults. Yes. Um, you know, we, we, I was a 35-year-old hire when they hired mm-hmm. me. Um, and I think there's some value in, in getting people kind of mid-career. For sure. But, but I would also say that even if they don't end up hiring you by taking the initial classes or whatever, there's a lot of value in just learning to be a better gospel teacher and teaching the Savior's way, right? Yes. And that's a lot of what you do. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, I, I was laughing at the beginning because I hit record saying, ready, we're going to do this? And we had talked like, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes before we hit record about what we're going to say. And I have no idea how we're going to get it all done. 
Um, but there is so much today. We are in Second Nephi chapter 11 through uh, 18. 19. 19. And we just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop. Right? <laughs> Holy cow. So, um, so it's Isaiah. We're into the Isaiah chapters. They're just the best. And there's so much good stuff They're here. just the best. Um, maybe, maybe before I turn it over to you, I'd just give a little bit of context. I remember in a class I was in years ago, uh, the teacher that was teaching said, uh, we got to these chapters, and it was just a Sunday school class somewhere, and, and we got to the chapters, and, and the teacher said, nobody understands Isaiah, so we're just going to look at a couple of verses that I think we understand a principle from. And, and in my mind, I was like, nobody understands Isaiah? Like, we're not even going to try? You're like, bet. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> I can do it. So as, and as I sat there, I thought, you know, that's true. If you don't study contextually what Isaiah was living within, um, his time period, things like that, it's really hard to understand. Um, but there are there are some really wonderful resources, scripture that we could go back to and look at. So I might just point you back to if you really want a good study of Isaiah, go back and study First and Second Kings, and understand what was going on in the in the world around Isaiah's life, um, because that's ultimately what he's talking about. If you can understand what the king's stories were and how Jerusalem was being affected and the Assyrians and all the groups that were coming in to fight them, that's where the story is told overall. And so I think if you can understand that story and then read Isaiah, it really helps paint what Isaiah is trying to say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and with that, can we jump into 11 yeah. real quick? Yeah, please. Because just another contextual point, like as we read Isaiah, I, this is so important to remember about him. If you look at verse 2 and 3, and now I, Nephi, so again, 2 Nephi 11, 2 and 3, now I, Nephi, write more of the words of Isaiah, for my soul delighteth in his words. Hmm. For I will liken his words unto my people, and we'll kind of illustrate how we can do that in this podcast, um, you know, liken our lives to Isaiah. And I will send them forth unto all my children, for he verily saw my Redeemer, even as I have seen him, and my brother Jacob also has seen him as I... So, so we're talking about three humans mm -hmm. who saw Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's just been a really powerful thing for me to remember. Like when I'm reading the Isaiah's words... I mean, all scriptures are the words of Christ. And they're also words from someone who saw him, yeah. who saw Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and so everything in here, right? If you go to down to verse four now, uh, behold, my soul delighteth in proving unto my people the truth of the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. And skip a little bit. And all things which have been given of God from the beginning of the world unto man are the typifying of him. So mm -hmm. everything we experience testifies, symbolizes, and typifies of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that is true with Isaiah's words also. So we're going to be looking for the Savior yeah. in Isaiah. And, and I, I would point back to three a little bit, right, the, something that we skipped over. I will send their words forth, speaking of Isaiah and mm -hmm. Jacob and his, and um, unto my children that to prove unto them that my words are true. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say this happened or will happen. Yeah. And it's going to be a proof that Christ will come. Right. Like Isaiah testified of this destruction that we just saw happen in Jerusalem. Yeah. And I'm writing it down and writing what Isaiah said and what Jacob said about it. And it's proof that Christ will come because Isaiah testified of Christ as well. Yeah. And 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 to typify and point to Christ, he warned the people about these events that are going to happen as a proof that Christ will happen. I love it. And I loved in your comment, Matt, how uh, you you talked about Isaiah describing things in his time, but also you talked about our day also. Yeah. 
And there's a quote I wanted to read from President Oaks where he says, the book of Isaiah contains numerous prophecies that seem to have multiple fulfillments. Hmm. One seems to involve the people of Isaiah's day. Another meaning, often symbolic, refers to events in the meridian of time. Still another meaning or fulfillment of the same prophecy hmm. seems to relate to the events attending the second coming of the Savior. So our time, right? So yeah. as we read these prophecies Isaiah is, is giving us, there's a, there's a dualism yeah. in the, their meaning. And, and so, so just as you're studying Isaiah, sometimes it can be confused. Well, is this talking about the second coming or is it our day or is it the meridian of time or is it Isaiah? Yes, yeah, to all the right. above. Good, and so, good job. You got yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, you, you're nailing it. So, and however the Spirit teaches you about exactly. it is, is what you're supposed to be learning that day. I, I love, and I'll just keep going. Maybe we finish chapter 11 out this way. Yeah. I, I, also my soul, this is verse 5, also my soul delighteth in the covenants of the Lord. So first he, he delights in proving to his children the truth yeah. of his words. And then he delights the, in the covenants of the Lord and... Uh, he delights in his grace and in his justice and in his power and mercy and in the great eternal plan of deliverance. And then verse six, my soul delighteth in proving unto my people that save Jesus Christ should come, all men must perish. That's the, that's the whole point of what all of these prophets are writing and why he's quoting Isaiah. He says in verse eight, I write some of the words of Isaiah that whoso of my people shall see these words may lift up their hearts and rejoice because they came to pass and they're coming to pass and they're going to come to pass, right? Whenever you're reading it, uh, Isaiah can be looked at and, and proven as a historical event that did happen yeah. or a future event that will happen. Right? Yeah. yeah, love it. Um, maybe as before we get into Isaiah's actual words here, there's, a, there's some things that maybe are just important to know. The first, from chapter 12 through chapter um, 15, 15, yeah, 15, basically, we get Isaiah speaking of um, some visions that he'd had prior to his efforts to go and to help the people, right? Not that he, not that he wasn't helping as he got those visions, right. but he really isn't on his mission to serve yet right. um, until we get to chapter 16. And then chapter 16 and 17 uh, are really him... Uh, getting his call, understanding what he's supposed to be doing. But then we get to 18, and now he's going in and warning, and we get yeah. the Well, story. 17, 18 is 17, when, yeah, 7, 18 yeah. is this kind we of story. We get the story yeah. of, of what, he, what he went and did. So yeah. that just kind of chunks up what you're going to be studying this week. Um, and so if you're really looking for the story of what Isaiah did, it's yeah. the last two chapters, and yeah. then into next week's stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're into uh, maybe 12. 12. Yeah, I'll just let it. you take off from there. Oh, thank you. So... I, uh, I love Heavenly Father, and I know that He lives. And one of the things I love about studying the scriptures is just seeing how for thousands of years He has been guiding prophets and His people and developing this plan that ultimately um, results in us returning to Him yeah. through the atonement Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the prophecies that we see fulfilled, one of the promises that God gives to Abraham yeah. that we see fulfilled here in chapter 12 is uh, as part of the Abrahamic covenant, God promised Abraham the priesthood and that he'd be his seed would be instrumental in uh, uh, helping all nations come return to God, yeah. right? So we use the term gathering Israel today. Sure. And I love that there's a little story about verse two. So uh, I'll just read chapter 12, verse two out loud real quick. Uh, two and three, sorry. 
And it shall come to pass in the last days when the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now remember, like anytime we talk about a mountain, we're talking about the temple. Sure. And so we're saying the mountain of the Lord's house, in other words, the temple shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord, to the house of God, to the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So uh, there's a little story about the state of Utah. So the, the saints, right, they go from New York to Ohio to Missouri mm -hmm. to Illinois. And then finally they end up in Utah. And that's where ultimately they're able to have the peace to like establish what they've got going on. And they're trying to um, create, like get statehood. I don't know if that's what it was called or whatever, but they wanted to call the state the state of Deseret. Hmm. And as they battle with Congress, uh, well, I mean, you know, literally in some point where the, the government sends an army to, you know, the Utah war right, or whatever, right, right. but also politically, um, there, it's kind of the Congress is not really on the side of the saints. Like there's just, sure. uh, it was kind of during the civil war era. And so there's a lot of questioning about like, well, which if we do let them have statehood, like who are they going to support the North or the South? Right. And the South was afraid that they'd be anti-slavery. The North was afraid they'd be pro-slavery. Sure. And they just didn't really know what to do. They knew that there was this following of people that were very loyal to the prophet and it scared them. Hmm. So they're just not, anyway, they're, they're kind of barring them from statehood. And so finally they're able to work it out. And instead of the state of Deseret, they say, okay, yeah, you can be a state, but we're going to call you, name you after the Native Americans there called that oh, are the Utes. Darn it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, or call it Utah, which the meaning of the word Utah means people of the mountains. Yeah. And so I love this because then when I go back to chapter 12, um, Congress kind of helped the, the Lord or the saints fulfill the prophecy of the Lord yeah. where... We have the people in the, of the mountains are establishing the mountain of the Lord's house sure. in the mountains. Right. And, and they had no idea that's what was going they, on. Yeah, they had no idea that was going on. <laughs> but then all the people shall flow to it. And uh, I'll, maybe I'll let you kind of take over here and just talk about some of those stats that we, yeah. That we read. Yeah, so the, the uh, total population of the state of Utah is 3.338 million people. It's a lot and of people. How many people are visiting Temple Square? So uh, uh, each year, five million people visit Temple Square. <laughs> five million people, to use the scriptural language, five million people sh uh, flow unto uh, the, the temple. Yeah. So, so if you've got 3.3 total million people in the state of Utah and five million people come through Temple Square, they're coming from somewhere else, uh, at least half of them. Because I'm pretty sure not every person in Utah goes to the square. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Um, and so that, that is a proof that there is a gathering to the temple yes. coming from elsewhere. And maybe it's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hey. A number that goes yeah. maybe once a year, but... But that doesn't even include, you know, there's 8 million people that watch conference each year. Yeah. So when in verse 2 it says, all nations shall flow into it. And remember the conference center is across the street. And, and President Hinckley talking about this verse actually taught he considers the, the temple and the conference to, to yeah. both be fulfillments of this prophecy. In verse 3, um, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the temple, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law. So we see the law of God going forth from prophets, and all the nations are flowing into it yeah. uh, by literally visiting or, or by streaming. Yeah. 
uh, via satellite or, well, I guess we stream, I don't know how people in Africa watch conference, sure. but, but they're watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting as you've been talking, I, uh, my thoughts went to the MTC and the language, because that's kind of the place all the missionaries go, mm -hmm. and then they go out from there to learn or to teach. And, and my thoughts went to, we know that, that governments and officials from all over the world have come to the MTC to learn how the missionaries learn to speak other languages so quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, I, I just did a quick Google search while you were talking and I came up with an NPR spot. Um, and they, they go through in this whole article here, they go through um, kind of what goes on in the MTC. They went in, they looked at it. This was in 2014. And it's called Lessons from the Language Boot Camp for Mormon Missionaries, right? Classic. And uh, it, it's interesting because towards the end of this, it says, um, let me find it here real quick. It says, uh, many institutions want to know the secret to the efficiency, not just the military, because they'd been talking about the military. Yeah. The MTC frequently hosts visitors from governments, academia, and business. But there's something that can be hard to replicate outside of the church. It's the thing that has these young adults smiling and bright as, as they spend every waking hour focused on their task. Everything we do, says a young missionary that was there, we do is trying to learn by and with the Spirit of the Lord so that really is the only way we can do it, right? Many other students said the same thing. I'm just continuing that paragraph thing. Um, many other students said the same thing in one way or another, and whether you share their faith or not, the results speak for themselves. So there's just some power that's been given to the tops of the mountains to help the gathering happen, whether it's to the to that space or from that space out. And it actually makes me think of the next uh, a verse in, in that uh, chapter there in 12. In verse 3, it says, Many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of, the, out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's so interesting to me that the prophet, and, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about in the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament, where the prophet will reside in Zion, but Christ will reside in Jerusalem. And the prophet will be Christ's spokesman. And that, that lesson, that whatever it is that Christ wants us to know, will come from the prophets as the, as the spokesman of Christ. Yeah. And then, then disseminated throughout the world, whether it's through missionary efforts or through... Right? I, just, I just love that idea in, let's go there, we'll learn it, and then we'll take it out yeah. to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. I think it's very, very a proof of Christ's reality just to see how the tops of the mountains are being used in our day. Yeah, amen. Amen. I love it. Um, maybe just to continue on in chapter 12, there's a whole litany of things that uh, he kind of tells us about that the, the judgments of the Lord are coming because of. Right. And maybe I'll just bounce from chapter uh, 12, 5 through, uh, I don't know, 19. Can I just list some things that, see if this, see if this list kind of fits in your mind as a definition and description of our day. All have gone astray. For everyone to his wicked ways. Um, they hearken unto soothsayers. They please themselves and the children of strangers. Neither is there any end of treasure. Neither is there any end of chariots. I'm skipping. There's, yeah, these yeah. are just specific lines. Um, their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands. Uh, that which their own fingers have made. 
The mean man boweth not. The great man humbleth himself. They, they have lofty looks. They are haughty, uh, high and lifted up. Um, we put ourselves on high, high towers. We put high fences up to block people. Uh, idols shall be utterly abolished. So, so he really just kind of describes Isaiah's day and, and Christ's day and our day um, very clearly in here. And I think it's an interesting um, description. Yeah. The, the, maybe I'll just take a minute here and, and yeah. teach one thing in, in verse 13, and I'm going to turn it back over to you. Yeah, sure. Verse 13 says something that I think doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it says this. It says, Yea, and the day of the Lord shall come upon all the cedars of Lebanon, for they are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan. And I think when we read verses like that, I think our initial impression is, I have no idea what that means, and nobody does. And that's just yeah. not true. Because there's cross-references in there. And if you literally just take a moment and stop in a verse in Isaiah that you don't understand and follow somebody else's reference that they put in there, it would take you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 37. And these trees that are talk talked of, um, these cedars of Lebanon, they were actually a very wealthy stand of trees that everybody saw as a super valuable thing. And in the book of Isaiah... Um, the king of Assyria, who was at the time was kind of a bad guy, um, came in and was threatening to destroy and lay siege to Jerusalem and destroy this, this grove of trees. So it's interesting to me with, with a little bit of study that we can now understand that verse 13 saying, the day of the Lord, when Christ comes, um, all the cedars of Lebanon will be destroyed and, and all the high places will be thrown down. Yeah. Effectively, he's saying, yeah, what you think is super important isn't important. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna tear that down. I, I think the I think the message to young people from me here is you can understand it, but you won't understand it if you just read it and think. Well, I don't if I don't understand it on the surface, I I can't understand it. Yeah. That's just not true. We we live in a time where if I can't read it quickly and get it, then I don't spend much time on it most of the time. Yeah. If it if it's not explained in seven seconds on a video. Yeah. Right. It's like it's not worth my time. If I can't swipe yeah. up and get mm -hmm. to the net, right? Yeah, and, and I think in your study of the gospel and trying to understand Isaiah, you have to slow down. You have to go back in and, and follow cross-references and read whole blocks of Scripture to understand what was going on. And, and I think you'll have more fun trying yeah. to understand Isaiah if you do it that way. Yeah, I agree. Elder Bednar gave a speech at BYU, I think it was two weeks ago now. Yeah. And the whole thing basically was about what you just, what you just taught. Yeah. There is, you know, with AI, for example, you know, you can go on there and you can write me a talk about tithing. In the voice of Elder Bednar. <laughs> Boom. And it will, it'll do it. it will do it and it, it will do a pretty good job. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if the objective of giving a talk was to just like. Disseminate information. Then boom. Yeah. Right. But what we can never forget what Elder Bednar taught will never go away is like work will always be a prerequisite to conversion yeah. to Jesus Christ. Yeah. The Lord loves effort. President yeah. Nelson taught that. Yep. Uh, what, in, I think, 2020. Yeah, it was the special. It was during yeah. the little, they're like in the, uh, next to the sacred grove yeah, there, right? right yeah. So It's a face-to-face. -face. Yeah, the yeah. Lord loves effort. And Elder Bednar, uh, he just emphasizes that, that work, like if you don't put the work in, you're not going to have the converting benefit of what the scriptures can provide for you. So, yeah. so yeah, if the goal was to just write a talk, 
use AI all, AI all day. Yeah. But the point isn't that. The point is to change your character, to sure. connect you to heaven, to help you feel the Holy Ghost, yeah. so that you can receive revelation and change your life and become more like the Savior, yeah. and, and stay true to your covenants that you've made with Him. Yeah. That's the point, and AI can't do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. You have to work. Totally agree, totally agree. I, uh, I, I just, I think this chapter is good. I think it, it, it points us to ways that we shouldn't be um, after giving us some hope that there is a place in the, in the last days where we can turn our, our yeah. gaze and look, right? Um, so does that take us out of 12? Do you want to get into 13 now? Yeah, I think we were going to do chapter headings for 13 and 14, yeah, let's right? Do that. And then, yeah. yeah, Judah and Jerusalem, chapter 13 heading, will be punished for their disobedience. The Lord pleads for the judges of his people the daughters of Zion are cursed and tormented for their worldliness. And you compare that with Isaiah chapter 3. And this is about 559 B.C. to maybe 545, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. So this is after Lehi leaves Jerusalem, uh, maybe 50 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a, it, this is when these kinds of events will happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so then 14. Zion and her daughter will be redeemed and cleansed in the millennial day. Compare Isaiah four, right? So Isaiah was Isaiah was contemporary with like seven twenty. Sure, that was like BC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it says in the Book of Mormon here, just for the readers, right? So this is Nephi is about fifty when he's like, right, writing this, copying this, yeah, putting yeah. from the brass plates into the golden plates yeah. here. Yeah. So obviously Nephi had Isaiah's words, right? Yeah, because they exactly. happened a hundred hundred fifty years before. Yeah. Um, but, but the years that you're seeing here is actually when the events occurred in yeah. Jerusalem, right? It's actually interesting. Like, Isaiah was closer to Nephi's day than Joseph Smith is to our day. Yeah. Crazy, so just, right? just to kind of give, like, you know, we read Joseph Smith's words a lot. And so it's kind of similar. Like, Nephi is doing the same thing with Isaiah's words that we kind of do with Joseph Smith's Joseph, words. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And what, what an interesting proof as well that, that Nephi is quoting these things as if they have already happened because mm -hmm. in his mind and in the through the visions that he's received they have right in a lot of cases and and so that he that he knows so perfectly that these things went on when he left 50 years before they even happened um, I think is another proof that that Nephi was given some insights into into uh, visions at least uh, about what was going on back there so if we back, bounce back to 13 now, uh, what should we study there? What, what stands out that we want to make sure we focus on, if anything? Well, I think that from my end, I was kind of excited to get to 15. Okay. Okay. Let, I might just look at 13, 13, and then, yeah, we'll, and then we'll jump forward. Uh, verse 13, maybe 14. The Lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment. I think that just a, just a record of who it is that's going to be in charge. Mm -hmm. um, that, that while you have a, a Joseph Smith or you have a, a President Nelson or you've got an Isaiah, that's not their task. Their task is to warn. They're a voice of the Lord to warn and to expound, uh, but not to judge. And so I think that's just an important component of what Isaiah is saying here before he gets into telling what's going to go on because the Lord is the judge, even though Isaiah is the warning voice maybe, right? Yeah. So let's let's jump out of uh, thirteen fourteen. Let you go study those on your own. They're not very long, um, and into fifteen. Uh, All right. The heading there. Should we read that? Yeah. Let's do it. The Lord's vineyard, Israel, will become desolate, and his people will be scattered. Woe shall come upon them in their apostate and scattered state. The Lord will lift an ensign and gather Israel. Compared it to Isaiah five. 
Yeah, and also, I mean, we can compare it to Jacob 5. Yeah. I mean, verse 4 is almost a straight from that same, sure. um, that same allegory. What could I have done... What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Mm-hmm. Right. This is Jesus Christ asking, right, yeah. uh, the servant basically, and sure. an allegory, and in here, just any time we're talking about the vineyard, like we are the trees, right. right? We're the trees. We're the fruit, and and Jesus Christ is the the Lord of the vineyard with his servants, the prophets, trying to create us into the type of trees or beans that produce good fruit, good right. works, yeah. so to speak. Right. Good. Yeah. And. I love Jacob 5, and I love that we see this connection to it here also because when you read Jacob 5, the Lord is just, he just does everything. Yeah. He just, there's nothing he doesn't do, and he is constantly working to help us. And I've seen that in my own life. I, I've just seen how the Lord, so a lot of times it's in hindsight, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like there's been plenty of times where in the moment I didn't feel like I could see him. Yeah. But in hindsight, I can always see that he was there and that he's helping me to grow into the type of person that ultimately can return with him with my family. Yeah, that's great. I might point out and just touch on one thing there. Uh, in the Institute Choir at Boise, um, we're singing a song called Jesus' Love is Like a River. And at one point in the song, it says Jesus' Love is Like a Lighthouse. Um, and it, it, it is a lighthouse that you can see sometimes. When you're in the mm-hmm. middle of a storm out on the ocean and you're up and down in the waves, as the lighthouse is farther away, it goes away. The wave comes up, you can't see the lighthouse, you just stay going in the direction you think it is, and then you slightly adjust when you can see it next, and slightly mm-hmm. adjust when you can see it next, until you're close enough to it that it's constantly there. Yeah. Right? And I think in the storms that we face, in the times of our lives where we're out in the storm, and the waves are big, um, as long as you're looking for the lighthouse, you'll see it. Yeah. Um, it will come, and there will mm-hmm. be glimpses of that light, and um, he doesn't move. You're, you're battered about. Right? You're yeah. moving around all over the place, and you got to keep the wheel facing that and make slight adjustments as you get closer and closer until he's constantly visible. Right? Yeah. I just I love that idea that uh, that the the Savior and I love these allegories too because yeah. they're so um, they're so multifaceted. It's a proof that jo- that that Nephi and Jacob both loved Isaiah. Yes. That that Jacob goes in and completely expounds on this concept of a of a vineyard mm-hmm. um, and gives such a wonderful allegory mm-hmm. is touched on here by Isaiah, but Jacob really gives us the, the view of that, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love to, um, we, we'll, we might come back up, but just we, if we go down to the end of chapter 15 and 27, 29, um, in brightly beams my father's mercy, yeah. right? We have the lighthouse and we also have the lights along the shore. The lower lights. Yeah. Do you know the phrase? Do you know the? Yeah. Let the lower lights be burning. Yes. Yeah. Matt's the resident choir <laughs> music professional. Yeah. Let the lower lights be burning, and and one of the ways you can look at that is so like Jesus is the lighthouse, but sometimes when a ship was coming into harbor, there were there would be rocks, yeah. and so the people of the community would go out and stand on the rocks with lights so that the ship wouldn't hit yeah. some of these bigger rocks, right? Because yeah. the lighthouse gets you to there, but then you know the last. 200 yards yeah. or nautical, whatever, sure. right? Yeah. It can be a little bit harder to navigate. And and in verse 26, Isaiah um, talks about us being those lower lights mm-hmm. for scattered Israel. Mm-hmm. He says, And he will lift up an ensign to the nations from far and will hiss unto them from the end of the earth. And behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall be weary nor stumble among them. 
None shall slumber nor sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loose, nor the latchet of their shoes be broken, whose arrows, arrows shall be sharp, and all their bows bent, and their horses' hooves shall be counted like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind, they're roaring like a lion. And so Elder Legrand Richards taught about these scriptures and said, In fixing the time of the great gathering, Isaiah seemed to indicate that it would take place in the day of the railroad train and airplane. Since there were neither trains nor airplanes in that day, Isaiah could hardly have mentioned them by name. However, he seems to have described them in unmistakable words. How better could their horses' hooves be counted like flint and their wheels like a whirlwind than in the modern train? How better could their roaring be like a lion than in the roar of the, of the airplane? Trains and airplanes do not stop for night. Therefore, was not Isaiah justified in saying, none shall slumber nor sleep? indicating that Isaiah must have foreseen the airplane. He stated, who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their window? Mm-hmm. You know, talking about lifting up this ensign and gathering Israel, like the Lord, we are those lower lights and the Lord is hastening that work. Yeah. The gathering of Israel, President Nelson has taught, is the most important work on the earth today. And Isaiah is seeing this. He's seen it hasten. And uh, anyway, it's just, it's re- it feels really inspiring to me to be a part of this hastening of the Lord's work at yeah. a time when mission work is is being propelled and being done as effectively or more effectively than ever than ever before. Yeah, and isn't isn't it also a beautiful concept that the lighthouse is where safety is found, mm-hmm. but the sheepfold where the sheep live, that was created by Christ, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the it's interesting. We say the word sheepfold, and I think we think of a fold of sheep, like a group of sheep. And that's not the that's not the case. The sheepfold is the place yeah. where the sheep are gathered to, and so the lower lights are those that are um, pointing the direction to the safe place, mm-hmm. right? The Christ, that Christ is there. That's where He is, and that you and I can be a light that brings people to Him, so that they can yeah. be saved and suc- succored by Him. I think, as a as a young person, I think about my time. Um, in college and my time early married life and and I wonder if I could go back knowing what I know now and feeling what I feel now if I would be a little different about how I was a lower light I was a good example I did good things yeah you know I would go on trips with college groups and stuff and I was not drinking and I was you know I was good and people knew I was a member but I wonder if I could have brought people to Christ more by shining a light not just being standing on the shore you know? I like that. It made me think of President Nelson's quote where he said, Anytime you do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil, take a step toward making covenants with God and receiving their essential baptismal and temple ordinances, you are helping to gather Israel. Yeah. It is as simple as that. And, and to your point, um, I see in that statement covenants and ordinances. Yeah. And so, and so how... When, how do we be a lower light? Yeah. It's, it is, it's just, and it doesn't have to be a lot more, I think. I don't think, and correct sure. me if you have a different opinion, but, it, but it's more than uh, having fun with your friends yeah. in college yeah. and inviting people to have fun with you. Yeah. There's a, there are things that we can do that, uh, that invite and, and point people towards covenants and ordinances, right. and that is when the gathering, I think, really starts to become powerful. And exactly. so... So the fun things and those social things, there are means to an end. And the yeah. end is an opportunity to testify, to invite, yeah. um, et cetera, to, 
to come into Jesus Christ, to come into the lighthouse, right? right? The lighthouse uh, would represent, I mean, President Nelson's uh, two talks ago, right? He talked, I think, about the tour in the temple. Yeah, yeah. The safety of our covenants. Right. So if the lighthouse represents the safe place, then it would also represent the safety of our covenant relationship with Christ. Yeah, you know, my experience with that quote uh, about anytime you do anything on either side of the veil yeah, yeah. Is, uh, has been an interesting experience because I think too often we eliminate covenants and ordinances. Um, because the, the quote really says, anytime you do anything on either side of the veil um, for anyone to help them make or keep sacred covenants and ordinances, right? If, if, that's the, if that's the action, when you're gathering people to do that, you're gathering people. Otherwise, you're just gathering people, right? Like, yeah. the, the, you're, you're not gathering in the Lord's way, you're just getting a group of people together, right? Yeah. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, the Institute hosted a date night. And we just said, hey, the, and this was kind of an invitation from... Uh, from the higher-ups in Salt Lake and yeah. the Overseas Seminary Institute, they invited all the institutes around the world and the BYU schools to hold the date night during that same week. Yeah. And paid for by the, these organizations. And so it was literally just bring your date and we'll put the date night together. And what was so interesting to me, a couple things were interesting. First, we had, we had to make it something that was more than just let's go bowling together, right? It, 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 needed, it felt like it needed to be like, Let's talk to you about why you're dating. Not tell you to all go get married now that you're on a date, right? But, but talk to you about why you do this and how you do this. And we shared some experiences from us, our, our, the faculty, is how we dated in our first dates and mm -hmm. some things about our marriages and whatever. But because of that conversation, what we did next, which was go bowling or go dancing right. or play Nerf War or whatever, yeah, yeah. had meaning. There was something mm -hmm. to it. It was, it was not just go bowling. Yeah. It was understand why you go bowling together on a first date. And then the other thing that was amazing to me was how many young adults were on a first date. I mean, it was like 80% of the kids I was talking to that day were on their very first date with the person they took. Yeah. Which was so interesting to me uh, to hear them say, yeah, it was, it was good to be given a date that was just set that I had to find a date for. And it was interesting to me how many of them didn't have somebody that they were going to ask until there was a date set. Hmm. Right? Like, like they're gathering, they're putting themselves together in these social settings, but I don't know that they're necessarily doing the, the covenant part of that, right? They're, right. The, the purpose of the gathering in these social settings isn't to just gather, it's to be married eventually and to, you know, the, the, whatever yeah. the outcome of that gathering is. To gather is, to right? Christ. Yeah. Um, I, I got an example too. I, I, I remember being at Lake Powell. My family goes there every year for like a liver union thing. Sure. And I'll just shout out in case they listen. This will be like their test. You know what <laughs> hey, I mean? Like, hey, if like, are you listening to my <laughs> yeah. podcast yeah, right. or are you? Yeah. What else are you listening send, to? Send Brother Lyons a text uh, right yeah. now. Yeah, so right I now. Say, so I heard this. <laughs> yep. So, um, so and uh, I'll even name names. So my niece, I think my niece Charlotte and probably Jocelyn, Lydia, Harper, and Juliet we're probably all on the, like, I think that's kind of who was on the tube. So mm -hmm. we're, we're tubing behind a boat. I've yeah. ever, you've probably done that before, yeah, yeah. right? And they're just 
laughing and getting thrown off and like, you know, some of them were like, speed up, speed up. And some of them were like, stop it, slow down. You know, just like, however that, I won't say who was saying slow down. Sure, and who right. was, Jocelyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you just get, uh, oh, can't forget Bailey, Brilliant, Brooklyn. Okay. Them were, they were probably on the there too. Bees. Sorry, brother sins. I just kind of, yeah, like left you out of this story. So I, obviously not all of them, but a combination of them were on this True. too. I actually, I remember Charlotte was on it for sure. I just like see her face in okay, my mind, you know? And, and I remember sitting there and just being like, you know, like if the purpose of life is to become like Heavenly Father, like why are we tubing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like why don't we just study the scriptures all day? Like yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and anyway, what, what I learned in that moment was, uh, and you know, <laughs> this isn't doctrine necessarily, but like families that tube together stay together. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and so later that, I don't know if it was the same night, but on that same trip, my amazing sister Kelly, she wanted to do like a, she wanted to basically do like, not act it out, but like do Lehi's vision yeah. of like the tree of life. So sure. we, she like, like I was the tempter, obviously, yeah, trying to like course, get him to let works. go of the rod. Right. Like that's just what I do best. Right. Do you know what I mean? Is steer people <laughs> towards Satan. As, the, as you teach them to teach for the church, that's exactly Yeah, what yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, but anyway, she kind of, she created this experience that kind of had all those elements, but ended at like this little campfire okay. that was like the tree of life when we had like marshmallows and right. s'mores and all this stuff. Right. And, and we, and, and, uh, we bore testimony huh. of everything in that bit. We bore testimony of the love of God. We bore testimony of our need to stay close to the savior. Sure. We bore testimony of holding to the iron rod to, you know, daily scripture study. Yeah. And we bore testimony of the sweetness of the fruit. It was a little ironic because it was like in a cave and so the fire made it get like super hot and smoky and so it actually was very unpleasant. To be. So we are like, oh, that's why they went to the Great Spacious Building. Right, yeah. It was burning hot over there. No, I was joking. But, but, but the point, I guess, that in all this is that like when we're talking about gathering, there definitely like, there's certainly an element of making connections. Um, but I think we, we miss an opportunity if we stop there and, and with those connections, when we're able to testify and to invite these people that we're connecting with to, to just to, to make and keep sacred covenants yeah. and to perform and to uh, um, participate in ordinances, we that like now we're gathering Israel, I think in the yeah. in the way that that yeah. President Nelson uh, yeah, has taught and, us. Yeah, and really what Isaiah is saying here too, right? That that if Jocelyn and the other 35,000 cousins that you just named <laughs> were all just standing on the shore with no lights, it wouldn't help anybody. Right. Nobody out in the ocean, would. it wouldn't help. That they're all gathered together is great, but if there's no light amongst them, then the, what's the point, right? Um, I, I really think that, that that fun without a foundation is fruitless, that there's no... There's wow, no wait a minute, whoa, like hey, that? say, that say that again. Yeah, say that again. Fun without a foundation is fruitless. There's just really nothing that comes out of it beyond something, I, I will say carnal. It, it's, it's man's desire to have fun that comes out very easy yeah. when, we, um, when we don't try to tie the Savior into it. And I think that ultimately that sometimes is a challenge in our youth programs, right? We sit down with the 12-year-old and we say, what do you want to do? Well, they want to play basketball every, every Wednesday night or they want to play frisbee golf, or they want to, which are great. They're fun social activities that as part of what they should be doing. But how hard is it to say, okay, let's play basketball, and every shot you make, you've got to fill in the blank, right? Some, some just tie to the Savior, or, you know, at the end of the night, we're going to keep track of how many shots you all made. And the point, the, the, 
the top shooter has to something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think there's just a way. They don't need you and I uh, to come in and just help them gather to play sports. Right. They don't need they don't need the leaders in the church to help them have more friends or have more followers or gather themselves together. Now, I say that and I don't know that that's entirely true. You said in as in our prep that uh, you're going to you're going to quote somebody that said uh, we're more we're more connected. Oh, yeah, Elder Holland taught in our in the CES broadcast right, a few yeah, years yeah. ago. This generation is the most connected and also the loneliest. Yeah. And so and the, that wasn't that wasn't like that was like data that he got from yeah, yeah, yeah. you can look up the talk and yeah. Yeah, so 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 they are they do need us to help with some social maybe. Yeah. Um, but but can't we give them more than that? Can't we light right. the light up and point to the Savior and say, hey, here we are. We're gathering, doing this fun thing. And let's take a minute and just and just point you to the, right. to the Christ. Like right. Just don't forget what it's all about. Don't forget. Like, the goal is to bring them to Christ. Yeah. And, and maybe it, maybe it j- jumps us back into um, chapter 15 mm-hmm. where um, maybe I'll start in 9. No, sorry, 19. Um well, there's something about cart rope that you want to touch in before that, isn't there? 17, 18? I mean... Let, let me, let's we, start in. Let's start in. There's so much. We in. have a lot. To, mean, I'm like looking at the clock. I'm like, I there's know. a lot we talked about that we're just not going to talk right. about. <laughs> let me just read 17 through 20 here. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin, as it were, with a cart rope that say, let him make speed, hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I don't know, I mean, we, we're going to talk about it, that there are things in our world that are good that are being called bad, and bad that are being called good. But I think the most direct connection to us and as, as faithful members of the church is sometimes I think a good thing that doesn't have a, a, a gospel outcome, that doesn't have a, a tying or a saving uh, component to it, is really just a, a masked attempt at social gathering, right? If we don't put those uh, spiritual ties into it and we don't strengthen the kids when they come or the young adults when they come and are gathered together then what are we doing? What's, what's the purpose? What's the point, right? 